ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to One-Eyed Tigers and Pies, the podcast where we talk about all things AFLW, so long as they're related to Collingwood and Richmond. I'm Alexandra and I'm a one-eyed Collingwood supporter. And I'm Tony and I'm a one-eyed Richmond supporter. And last week, Alexandra, you started off with a language warning. I think this week, well, we can take the language warning as read, but we do need a warning label on this week's podcast. I've seen your notes for what you want to talk about, we need a rant warning because I think this is going to be a big one. It is going to be a big one, but also, Tone, I've seen your notes and you've got a bit of ranting happening as well. I know. So strap in. This should be an entertaining chat. So shall we get straight into it? You must have had a good time uh, at the Collingwood game. I had a lovely time at the Collingwood game. I mean, it's so nice to go to the footy and watch your team win. Um, I, I don't know what that's like with the women's team. <laughs> you you will win a game one, one day. Right? One day. I'm one sure day. they will. Uh, didn't St Kilda lose 48 games in a row when they first came into the men's competition? We've just got to beat that. I don't feel like that's a record you should be aiming for. So Collingwood came away with a win over Geelong. So can I just say, beating Carlton and beat in the first week and Geelong in the second week, yeah, it's pretty good. That's good for um, footy, that is. It is good for footy. It wasn't a great game. I've got to tell you this. It wasn't a terrific game. It was very scrappy for the first half, maybe even for the first three quarters. And it, I do have to say I was preparing my my review of the game was going to be all about good sides win even when they play badly because it looked like we were going to win but we just weren't playing well. And then we came out and we had an absolute cracker of a final quarter um, played some really good footy and kind of, you know, played the way that I feel like we can and should be able to play. So that was great. That was really good. And then we won relatively easily. Um, but it wasn't a great game and I really don't think Geelong is very good and that makes me worry a little bit about Collingwood. Yeah, but sometimes uh, bad sides drag you down to their level. So getting away with a really solid win, I mean, I think it's a very similar score to what Melbourne did to Richmond. That seems about right. And you can't argue with it. Like, you know, two wins, two games and two wins. Um, I'm I'm very happy with that. So that's great. There's a couple of great performances. Um, Brie Davey, who we all know is a superstar, um, she, she was extraordinary. She's absolutely on fire. She's untackleable. Like when, when I say that, people do tackle her and they land a tackle and it doesn't stop her doing exactly what it was that she wanted to do in the first place. Like she'll still continue running, take another three or four steps and then kick the ball while the tackler is still hanging on to her. That is pretty awesome. Um, and she had 25 disposals. And I know people, um, women in this competition, get in the high 20s in their disposals. But I just find that's extraordinary. With 56% of the game time of the men, that's equivalent to a you know high 40s or 46 or 47 disposal game. Um, and she kicked a goal. So she's a legend. Yeah, that, that's a pretty impressive stat. So I will point out that Monique Conti got 27. So, you know. Just saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know they get it. but um, Chloe Malloy, uh, my favourite, is absolute magic. Um, she created one goal out of nothing and she had another couple of, um, made another couple of great chances, once with a, a mark and another with a great piece of play, but then missed them completely. So 
Um, she could have had more goals, but she got one and she just excites with the way she plays. Our number 26 draft pick, Joanna Lim, came in as a late change replacing Jordan Allen um, and she was really quite impressive. So she didn't actually get much of the ball. You look at her stats afterwards and you think, mm, wasn't great, but we saw quite a lot of her and she had a lot of space. She kept finding herself um, with room in a field that was very crowded and very scrappy um, and she laid a couple of nice tackles as well. So she she was good, good signs there. And the other one that I would like to mention is Ruby Schleiser. Um, so she was was a foundation player, so she's been around for a number of years and she's she's always been good and she's a great character. So I love Ruby. Um, but I would say both of her games this year, last week and this week, um, have been better than anything we've seen before. So she is really coming out firing this year. She's great. Uh, and she kicked a goal today as well, which I love it when defenders kick goals. So it's good. Nice. So um, I noticed you didn't bring up Britt Bonici, which I thought you might, because she had, certainly from the stats, had a pretty impressive game. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to see the replay, but I can rant about why that is later. But, uh, yeah, it seems like Britt played very well. Uh, Britt did play well, and Britt is one of my um, my favourites. Um, I just felt like I'd named a lot of people. And the other thing is Britt plays well every week. So I don't know. Do I mention her every week? No, you don't have to. I was just uh, trying to make conversation about the fact I had a look at some stats. <laughs> well done. <laughs> I like your stats. That's good. good. Um, I do wish to start off the ranting podcast with a mini rant. So this isn't today's rant. This is just like getting it off my chest. I just wanted to say that the experience of the match on Saturday, apart from the game, which was fantastic, and the atmosphere of the crowd, Everything that there is an opportunity to design about the game on Saturday, the experience for people going to the game, was terrible. And I just want to give you a quick list of all of the things that were bad about the game. Please do, please do, just get stuck right into the rant. Okay. Um, Collingwood had a barcode debacle. They didn't send Dad his barcode and they sent me a barcode that didn't work. So I'm logged in trying to... um, book tickets for the game which was sold out and I could see it was selling out quickly um, and I couldn't get tickets and I ended up having to purchase tickets even though I we're both members because I didn't want to risk missing out. So I'm going to interrupt her out to say there's a one bright side to that so, uh, part of the story is that how awesome is it that things sell out really fast in AFLW nowadays? That is Actually excellent. I went to two games on the weekend and both of them were sold out and I love that and keep that going. Great. Rant back on. Um, The inefficient entry process. We rocked up to Victoria Park and there were 20 people in front of us in the queue and it took us nearly 15 minutes to get in because people couldn't get their scanner to work on their phones and it was dreadful. It's so bad. The lack of COVID protocols or guidelines once you're in. So they're very clear about us being in different zones, which means I couldn't meet up with the person I was trying to meet up with because she was in a different zone. But actually, once you were in, there was nothing to indicate how you should be physically distancing. They hadn't blocked off every second row in the grandstand or anything like that. So there were no protocols or guidelines. They didn't take the net down behind the goals. So we had to sit behind the goals because that was the zone we were in. And you actually couldn't see because of the net. It was really frustrating. 
Um, the portaloos, okay, portaloos are awful in many ways, but you couldn't tell if they were vacant because the red had rubbed off. So there was a huge queue of people waiting for toilets that most of them were empty, but nobody was game to open the door to see. The lack of planning for food truck queues. So everybody was basically in the way while they were waiting for food because it wasn't clear where you were meant to stand and you could have just like designated that really easily. And the volume of music was so loud that you couldn't hear yourself think, that is my rant. Wow. And to think that's actually not the rant you had planned. That's just a warm-up. That is a warm-up rant. It's a little one. I don't think we need to talk about it. I just would like the AFL to do better. Yeah. And look, I think it's frustrating because it's not that difficult. It's just, it's the same as everything they've done previously. It's just like they're not paying enough attention to the women's football game to to make the changes, the simple changes they need to do to, to make it work. They're not hard. Almost like they're not really thinking about women's football. Oh, that's right. And look, can I, I'm going to jump in and actually do my rant um, coming, off, coming off the back of that, my little mini rant. My God, the AFL website really, really annoys me. So I'm trying to check some stats prior to this podcast so that I know what I'm doing. So I hop on and say, oh, great, I'll go to AFL and go, okay, let's, where, where are the ongoing games? And, yep, there's a little, there's a little bit about the ongoing game. Story two is uh, a puff peach on Mitch Georgiades from the men's team in Port. Story three is a Giants men's coach interview. Story four is a Giants men's injury update. To see women's results, you have to click to a more news section and find it. And then when I say, oh, well, I'll just go straight to the games, I click on the fixture, it says, yes, Carlton and Richmond will start in March. It's like your your football is ongoing right now. Tell me about the football that's actually happening right now. It's very frustrating, as you can probably tell. I love it. I love it when we get passionate about these things. That's why we're doing a podcast, Tone, because we want to make our voice heard. That's right. That's right. Okay, my rant over now. Tone, that was a brilliant rant. While you're on a roll, I think you should tell us about watching Richmond. Yeah, well, thank you, Alexandra. Well, ranting and watching Richmond probably go together pretty well. Oddly enough, again, um, I'm going to be a little more positive than you might think from being thumped. Um, it's probably not a surprise. Melbourne are a good team. We're not. We got thumped. That's fine. Uh, the stats actually are quite interesting because if you would have said Conti has 27 possessions, uh, McKenzie has 14 really fantastic ones, Daisy Pierce was kept incredibly quiet, you think we would have got closer to them. We had more disposals, one less inside 50, same number of marks inside 50. We had more contested possession. We had a 10-minute section in the second quarter where we absolutely dominated play. We just couldn't score. And what happens was Melbourne get an opportunity, they rebound, they take it up the other end, and, and they score. And that fundamentally was the game. Melbourne were just more skillful than us despite us playing pretty well. That that is disappointing, but at the same time, it's also promising. And that's why I'm slightly more optimistic than I have been last season. I think the type of football we're playing is better. We are looking like a better side. We have absolutely improved. the The problem is, so is everyone else. It appears it's possible that Gold Coast hasn't improved. Did you see their score today? I haven't actually seen that yet. Uh, game. I'll have to go and five to two. Awesome. So there are now three teams that I think Richmond could beat, and that would be Geelong, West Coast, and Gold Coast. We just need to get lucky. 
If I could jump back and maybe just go into a little bit of detail, what happened in the game? It's it's pretty much a repeat of what I've said previously. We matched Melbourne in tight, but they played smarter. They they hung off the contest. They sweated on the second disposal and tackled us hard, so we could never get free. Conti got twenty seven possessions, but a lot of the time they went nowhere because there was no one to give the ball to. On a contrary, when Melbourne got it, they weren't getting sucked into the contest. They were able to get the ball outside, generate outside run. And the thing that I was most impressed about Melbourne with was precision kicking to a lead. We would hack it out of a pack down to a contested position. Melbourne would hack it out of a pack, but they'd do so to someone on a lead who generally was a pretty good mark. And that was just a lot classier than Richmond. I'm actually seeing that happening a lot more across the competition um, this year, is this marking two leads rather than just bombing it forward. Yeah, and I think it's it's fantastic. It's where how each year we're seeing football improving in the comp, and this is the next step up now. It's it's real precision play. And probably the other thing I want to comment on the game was again a repeat last time. I don't think our forward line with Brennan Wakefield and Frederick works. It's too big. It's too slow. So I've got a solution now. Oh, great! I, Brennan to centre half back. She reads a play pretty well. She marks pretty well. She, I think the lack of speed on the lead is not going to be such an issue if she's following someone to the ball. And hopefully it'll free us up to put some speedier people forward and leave Frederick and Wakefield as the marking targets. That's the plan. That sounds like a good plan. Um, Richmond is having some gaps in their coaching. We talked about this last week, Tone. Do you reckon they might have room for you there? I would happily volunteer. I would coach free. I don't think we should encourage that, though, because we're trying to have um, women's football as a fully professional paid sport, which means paid coaches as well. Okay. I'll get paid in, I'll get paid in beer. How's that? <laughs> no, look, I would, I would coach the men's team free. So, you know, I don't think that's a change. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we'll uh, send your resume through during the week and, or just a link to the podcast. So, Tone, just before we move on to the real business of the podcast, which is the rant, let's just do a quick Duffy watch. I know you're keeping an eye on the kick-to-handball ratio of Frio superstar Sabrina Duffy. How's it going this week? Well, the game is going ongoing right now. In fact, I've been dragged away from watching the game to come and do this podcast. So no final answer, but when I left, she had eight kicks from nine disposals. So continuing the incredible kick-to-handball ratio. Um, I do want to take the opportunity to say I've been watching uh, Freo play, though, and Gemma Horton is a superstar. And you should watch Freo play just to watch Gemma Horton play. All right, I will do except that we're recording the pod, so I can't go and watch her. Maybe I'll see if I could watch a replay. Watch a replay. Go to the AFL website. It's easy to find. (laughs) So I think it's time for the serious business of the podcast, which is, of course, Alexandra's rant. Now, it's been a big week in football, I would say, and a big week for your club, Collingwood. Alexandra, how did you find this week and the news about Collingwood? Tone, I struggled big time this week. Um, I struggled with my identity as a one-eyed Collingwood supporter this week. I had a number of people um, message me with the ABC report on Monday morning, so it was sort of the first thing that I woke up to and read in the morning. Collingwood is guilty of systemic racism. And this might sound a bit weird, but I got such a sense of relief 
reading that report. So, so could I butt in and ask relief? Why, why relief? Because it's something that I have known and so many supporters and general public have known. You only need to have read the stories or understood any of the experiences of people who have been calling this out for many, many years, for decades. We've known that this is true and that this is happening. And the relief came from reading this report to say that was spelling it out, all of the things that we knew to be true, in a report that was commissioned by Collingwood. It's like, okay, we now know that it's true. They know that it's true. There's no more avoiding it. It's on the table. We can move ahead and do something about it. It was such a relief. And I think it's important with this to to accept that you have a problem and that on the face of it, by writing the report, you would hope that that would be the case. So, But I guess that's not how the club seems to have responded. No. And so that relief on Monday morning was very quickly followed by absolute horror at the club's response and in particular Eddie Maguire. But let's be honest, it was the club and the club as a whole, their response to this. One of the key findings of the report is that Collingwood's response to accusations of racism has traditionally been about damage control and protecting the brand rather than acknowledging fault and making any meaningful change. Now, it says it seems to me the way they came out of that press conference was a club that was trying to do some damage control. That is exactly what that press conference was about. They're doing it again. They're doing exactly what the report said has been a what part of the systemic racism has been their response to accusations of racism and they're doing it again. Now, I know you said you don't want to make this about Eddie, but let's be clear that Eddie is has been around for this culture. He's clearly been responsible for part of this culture from some of the incredibly tone-deaf things we've heard from him over the years. So, yes, it's not just about Eddie, but surely Eddie's a big part of the problem. Eddie is a fundamental part of the problem and Eddie has to go. Um, I, there is no two ways about that. He has to go. Um, they can't, he is not capable of leading the club um, out of this mess because he fundamentally doesn't get it. The leadership at the club, um, their mental model of what is happening, their mental model about racism is a white colonial male self-centred view that it only cares so long as it impacts them. And they don't fundamentally understand it. Like Eddie is trying to say the right things without understanding what the problem is and that he is the problem, let's be perfectly honest, or at least he's part of the problem. He is incapable of leading the club out of this mess. But I also don't want it just to be about Eddie because it's not about Eddie. It is systemic racism. It comes from the top, but it's bigger than that. I think we also shouldn't say that just because Collingwood have done this, that it's just Collingwood. We know that there's systemic racism across the AFL and across Australian society anyway. Uh, So, yeah, it's bigger than one person, but it's also bigger than one club as well. But Collingwood has a chance to do something about this and face the issue. And I don't have any faith that they will do that. 
And their reaction this week has not inspired any faith that they will do this. I would like to mention that the players have since come out and released a sincere apology and a promise to do better, and that's something, but it's not enough and it needs to have come from the club, not from the players who are in effect apologising for the club not doing their job. The one person we also haven't heard from at all is is Nathan Buckley, who seems to be also central to at least Harriet Lumumba's uh, concerns. Yep. Um, and you would have to question Nathan Buckley's ongoing role at the club based on that as well. This round is not just about racism and I'm I'm a white woman and you're a white man and we've never experienced racism and it's not actually our role to try and pretend that we know what that's like. I'd strongly recommend that you look at anything that Heretia Lumumba has put out in the last Let's go with 10 years. (laughs) He's been talking about this for a long time. There is a lot of very good material out there and I think he spells it out better than either of us could. So I'd like to point you towards that and say, go and hear it from the source. That's really important. The reason that we've got this rant is because it's actually the, the, the racism issue that has come out with Collingwood this week. I, I, want, I do want to link, link it back to women's football. I want to link it back to AFLW. I know it's not the same, but the fact is the mental model of the club around female football is just as self-centred. They're actually only interested women's football is only important to them as far as there's money or some kind of credibility or something to be made out of it. It's not actually worth anything to them in its own right. Um, It's just a subset of the men's game. That is the mental model that the club has and the way that they treat women's football and their female players. And I think that's a attitude that we've actually seen, not just at Collingwood as well. It's it's something we, I talked about last week at Richmond saying, when they're dropping the VFLW team, are you really treating the women's football as a serious game? And again, even with my rant earlier today, that is the AFL website treating women's football as a serious competition in its own right? Collingwood has a history of dumb decisions about female football. Okay, so like dropping the option for us to be women's members in the second year because they decided if you're a club member that was good enough. Um, deciding not to have a pride round, a pride jumper this round. That, that's like a really current dumb decision. Eddie didn't bother turning up to the first AFLW match because it really wasn't important. So history of dumb decisions and they will keep making dumb decisions because they genuinely don't get it. And in the same way they're going to keep making dumb decisions about Um, racism and inherent racism at the club because they just don't get it. What's the way forward here for Collingwood? What does this mean and what can they do? You want me to have a solution tone? This is my rant. I I don't know that I have a solution. What's the next step for Collingwood and for for you as a Collingwood supporter? (laughs) That's such a big question and I genuinely don't know. Like for Collingwood... For Collingwood, it's it's probably a bit easier because some of the leadership has to go. They have to recognise that they have a problem and they actually have to start doing something about it, stop talking the talk, stop spinning it and start doing something about it. As a Collingwood supporter, it's so much harder. I mean, it's it has been a real struggle this week 
um, I have been thinking about whether I really am a Collingwood supporter anymore. I've been, I'm a third generation Collingwood supporter and, but it's very, very hard to show support for an organisation that so often and in an ongoing way um, pisses on everything that I care about, like everything that I think is important. I don't feel right about that. Yeah, I, I will say uh, as a third generation Collingwood supporter from birth, it is okay to change teams. You know, <laughs> things can get better. Yeah, yeah, they can. That's right. Um, things can get better and I want things to get better. Like genuinely thinking about giving up on football as well, except that I actually don't want to give up on football. I want football to get better and I want Collingwood to get better. And if I do stay a Collingwood member, um, I do get a chance to vote for the next president. So maybe even campaign for the next president. I, I think um, you should campaign and vote, absolutely. And hopefully that will be soon because I firmly believe that Eddie has to resign. And to be honest, I'd have a hard look at, at Buckley as well, even though he, he knows he can coach. But clearly they are the source of the problem and they're not going to be part of the solution if they don't get it. What would you do, Tone, if you were me? I'd run for president. Would you really? Well, I'd, I'd either run for president or I'd find someone who I believed in to run for president and work for them. Your, your choice is either you walk away and just hope that it gets better, but if this is really serious to you and it matters to you, then you've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for what matters to you. Do something. All right. Collingwood president wannabes, hit me up. Because everyone knows that one thing the next president of Collingwood needs is a influential podcast with 50 or so listeners absolutely right in their corner. Do we have 50 listeners? Do I we have, have 50 people listen to us? We had 50 listeners once. I'm, I'm sticking with it. I haven't, I haven't even checked the stats recently. Well, what's coming up ahead? Well, that would be a great thing to do, except that um, I have no idea what's coming up ahead because the fixture has been thrown out the window. Uh, so I don't know who we're playing. We were meant to be in Perth. I was going to come over to Perth, remember, and watch oh, yeah. us play Fremantle. Yeah, that would be great. Well, I'm hoping to watch Freo, but who knows when they're playing. I'd like to watch Richmond, but I don't know who they're playing. As I said, I'm hoping for Geelong West Coast or uh, Gold Coast because maybe I can get to see a victory. All right. Well, um, we will be watching some footy somewhere next weekend in one way, shape or form. And uh, then we'll come back to talk to you all about it. Thanks for listening today. Go Pies! Go Tigers!